I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of The Hangover. I'm Daniel Jade, alongside with me, Shannon White. How you doing, Shannon? I'm doing great. Just a beautiful day here, bright, sunny, and warm in West Virginia. Oh. I love it. Oh, dude, same out here, same out here. No long are the days where unnatural 50-degree weather and <laughs> spring yeah. in Texas are gone. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, a beautiful day, a beautiful day to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but before we do, um, I wanted to kind of get your ideas and thoughts about this. The the NFL schedule is supposed to be released this Thursday night. However, Peter King came out earlier and stated that there's some doubt upon that. Um, what are your thoughts if they have to move it back? Do you have any ideas why they could be moving it back? I really don't. I've I seen that, and I know they're having that meeting with Goodell, but I assumed it was because of the Aaron Rodgers trade that was still in limbo and the Lamar Jackson contract situation. Well, with the draft behind us and those two situations wrapped up, I don't know what the holdup would be. Um, you know, I know that they're doing some things different this year, whereas certain games are not, are kind of free agents. They're up in the air, I guess, for, you know, particular networks to bid on. And, right. you know, they've they've been going to the flexible schedule, but now, we're not even sure which network the games are going to be on. And, you know, you can, you can be up to on Thursday night football up to twice, and they've changed a few things. So it's going to be interesting. I just want the Steelers to finally have a home opener. It, they always start on the road for, what is it, eight years in a row? So, yeah, I'd love to yeah. see them have a home opener. I, I would, too. I would, too. And on – all uh, rumors are kind of leaning in that direction. Apparently the weekend that is suspected to be the, uh, the season opener, uh, I believe the pirates are on the road. And so um, it's finally the Steelers are due to one. And it looks like finally the pieces are kind of lining in play. But with that being said, if the Steelers do end up having a home opener, who, who do you think, who are you thinking that the Pittsburgh Steelers, just a, a prediction without any information or evidence to back it up. Who do you predict to be the Steelers' home opener? Now, the opponents at home are obviously the Ravens, Bengals, and Browns, but you also have the Cardinals, Green Bay, Jacksonville, the Patriots, 49ers, and Tennessee. Who do you think the Steelers would be, uh, end up opening up with? There's different games there that would be really intriguing. Uh, I don't know. I just got a funny feeling that they're actually going to open with a division opponent. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think they could very well open with the Cleveland Browns. I don't know why. I have nothing to back that up. It's just a gut feeling. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, they've had a couple of uh, open home openers against the Browns. Last season, the home opener was against the Bengals. Mm -hmm. And so going in the division, I think, is, is pretty accurate. I, for one, think, though, however, have a pretty pretty strong feeling and nothing to back it up also. That they're going to stay in the conference, but go with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars as the opening mm. home opener for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, nothing to back up our predictions. Uh, call us clairvoyant if you'd like. Yeah. That's, if any of us get it, if we or one of us get it right. <laughs> but you know, that's that's all that is. And so um, it'd be interesting to see. I hope for one that it comes out on Thursday. I'm excited about it. You know, I plan to usually go out to a game or two. Uh, throughout the season. I'm not sure if I'm going to be going to Pittsburgh this year. I have a uh, possibility of going to Texan or Houston for Texans game, given how close that area is to me. And then I'm also considering going out to the Raiders game in Vegas, just because you got to go to Vegas and watch the Steelers. <laughs> I mean, you can't, it's the best of two worlds, so to speak. Um, which game are you look, most looking forward to when it comes to a home game? Uh, what these teams is, uh, did you say the Niners game was in Pittsburgh? 
Yes, sir, it is. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, one of my really good friends is a huge Niners fan, and and uh, we've always talked to when they come to Pittsburgh, uh, we'd like to go see them. Uh, you know, have a rivalry, and uh, the Niners are such a, a top team right now. Uh, they have a great right. roster. So, and, but I think the Steelers have really improved a lot this offseason. So, I think that would be a really good game to go to. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Uh, that one would be a good one. I, for one, haven't been to a – well, I've been to the Browns game last season for this the uh, the season ender. Um, I'd want to go see the Steelers and Patri- – I mean, uh, the Ravens, just because I think of the rival and the history behind it. Mm. Unsure if I'll be able to do that this season or not, but uh, a little shameless plug, I am a season ticket holder, so if you guys are interested in buying tickets, uh, one of these home game tickets, hit me up on my Twitter at State of the Steelers. Uh, you'll find me there. So without further ado, there's been some news, so to speak, that's come out. And this kind of goes along with any more moves in the offseason prior to training camp that the Steelers need to make is uh, there's been some conversation between J.J. Watt and Mike Tomlin referencing J.J. being able to go in and kind of visit with the team, visit with the brothers, see what's going on in training camp. You know, I, for one, think if, you know, one year removed, not even just, you know, last season was his final year, getting around those guys, getting around his brother, the camaraderie and the, and the atmosphere and Coach T doing Coach T things and saying Coach T things things could could spark some interest there from J.J. Watt to come back. You know, how, how likely do you think the Steelers can be to signing a J.J. Watt? And if so, what do you think needs to happen in order to do so? Well, I think there's probably uh, – I don't even know if he's turned in his retirement papers yet uh, to the NFL. I'm not sure where he's at on that. I think that the Cardinals will still have his rights. Um, right. So I think it's highly unlikely. I think that he really does want to come by and, and you know, see the facilities. He has a great deal of respect for Tomlin and, and you know, from what he knows already about the organization from TJ and Derek, but – uh, yeah, I'm just, I don't see it. I think it's highly unlikely, but, uh, uh, if he hadn't already announced his retirement, that would be a different situation, but I think he's kind of ready. It, they always said that I can't remember if it was Chuck. No, maybe he said, well, if you're thinking about retiring, you're already retired because you've already got to that point. It's one thing is a quarterback like Tom Brady to come back. It's, it's quite different for a guy, a defensive lineman and, the amount of work that they have to put in just to prepare for training camp and, and preseason. So uh, I think he's, he's already doing a business deal with his wife with a soccer team or something, I believe. So I think he's already kind of moved away from playing his playing days. Right. Right. Well, I will say this, if he did decide and coach Tomlin did try to talk him into it and was um, successful in that convincing, I think that the best team he would, or the only team he may be able to go to or would want to go to would be the Steelers Mm -hmm. just to play with his brother. And also for a coach that, you know, he described as a, as a guy that you'd run a brick wall through and so, or for, and so uh, in my opinion, I think that there's a small chance, but it's probably less than 15%. Um, you know, so it's a very small opportunity or a chance there. If it were to happen, I think the likelihood is that it won't happen, but if it does, I'd be, I'd be pumped. I'd be excited. I don't know what number he'd get. I guess him and Larry Young and Joby'd have to fight for 99 there, but <laughs> who knows? <laughs> and so, uh, do you think before we move on though, do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers have addressed that position or do you think they still need to add more to the, uh, the defensive line? I think they're pretty comfortable right now where where they brought in Benton and they got Watts and they got uh, Fahuku. I think mm-hmm. they've, they feel like that interior line Watts could play outside as well. He can back up Okajobi. He can make, and we have Leal, which I think Leal is kind of a tweener, uh, kind of a swing player uh, hybrid. So, I think they're they're pretty content there unless the right opportunity was to come along. You know, right. whether that be through a trade or or somebody getting cut. But uh yeah, I, I think they're they're pretty comfortable right at, on the defensive line right now. 
I agree. I agree as well. I think this would be just a move to maybe perhaps sell more seats. So, but yeah. who, who knows? Who knows? I mean, I, it definitely would, in my opinion. Um, but moving on from the interior line position, one position that I feel that is still a pretty big need is the outside linebacker position. You know, I know the Steelers have just drafted a Nick Herberg, Herbig, but in my opinion, I think he's more suited possibly in the interior um, linebacker position. You know, his size is a big question. I know that there's a lot of people that say he could get bigger, but I don't think he can get any taller or lengthier. And so, um, you know, Quincy Roche is a guy that the Steelers drafted a couple years ago that is, you know, also listed out there as an outside linebacker position. Here recently, um, Cal Van Noy was rumored or, or, or the Steelers were named a possible landing spot for the edge rusher. You know, he made about, I think, a little bit over $2 million last year with the uh, with Los Angeles. So he's not like a expensive player. Uh, he's been pretty consistent in last season. I think he had five sacks and he's had at least five sacks in the last five seasons. Um, what do you think the possibility of bringing in a Kyle Van Noy is and what kind of uh, do you think he'd want to come in and take that third, you know, seat, so to speak? Well, when they picked up Nick Herbig, I had immediately wrote that I thought that he was they've been wanting to go to more positionless players. Tomlin has talked about that. They have more creativity and versatility on the field at any one time. And Nick Herbig fits that because like you, I agree. If you look at him with his playing style, his intensity, his physicality, his motor, he looks like an off ball linebacker. But I said that, you know, why can't he play both uh, and give him contributions at both if needed? Then uh, Omar Khan said the same thing after the draft. And Andy Weidel last week said the same thing that they view him as having the capability of playing both. And eventually he will probably settle in one or the other. I mean, he's uh, an inch shorter than what TJ and he's about 15 pounds lighter. Well, like I said, he will put on the weight easily. He can't get, he cannot get longer, but the thing about Herbig is his nonstop motor. It's easy to block a guy who's standing there who's staying still and you can waltz around with him. It's hard to block a guy that never stops. He's perpetual motion. So I think that the reason they're listing him as an outside linebacker edge guy right now is so he can kind of focus on that and being a special teams demon, which I think he will be. And then, you know, see, you know, give him some work um, off ball, see what he can do there. Um, as far as Van Noy is concerned, the guy is the consummate professional. When you play for Bill Belichick and he says you're one of the most intelligent defenders he's ever coached, that says a lot. Because in New England's system, you have to be versatile and you have to be intelligent. And they make so many in-game adjustments, not just halftime. And he showed that ability to adapt, and, and Belichick really liked him. He is incredibly consistent, as you mentioned. He is a veteran who has been, you know, a part of many different types of schemes. So it wouldn't matter, you know, what package they used him in. He will have experience there. And he would be a, a benefit to the younger linebackers because he has actually moved in off ball from time to time because he has that kind of ability, similar to what I think Nate, excuse me, Nick Herbig will have eventually mm -hmm. down the road. So I can see where those rumors are coming from. I don't know what he would expect to make. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be about like last year. Right. So it seems like he would be affordable. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a move that the Steelers could still make between now and training camp. Yeah, and I mean, $2 million go a lot further in Pittsburgh than they do in California yeah. tax-wise. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it'd be a Big win time. for both sides. <laughs> for sure, for sure. You know, for me, I, like I said, I think that that outside linebacker position, it's still, it's still one that the Pittsburgh Steelers utilize quite a bit. It's one that I would assume that the Pittsburgh Steelers would have high priority given the fact that you don't want that major drop-off when a T.J. Watt or an Alex Highsmith come out of the game. And right now, there there kind of is. I mean, we don't know what 
what Herbig is going to do. We haven't seen him play a, play a down in the NFL. Um, you know, there was some tape out there, him playing against Ohio, I think it was last season, where he was going up against a Paris Johnson and a Dewan Jones. And, and his size really did pop off the screen and not in a good way. And so, you know, he's going to be going up against talented, larger offensive tackles in the NFL than he was seeing in college. And, you know, I don't want to set somebody up for failure just because, you know, based on their size and their undersize. Now, a lot of folks are saying that he's, you know, close to, I guess, Alex Highsmith's size. And I don't necessarily think so. Alex Highsmith is roughly six foot four. Doesn't look like it because of the interior defensive line is so much, you know, so big, but he's roughly six foot four and about 250 to 255 pounds. Her biggest two pounds or two, two inches shorter and about 15 pounds lighter. And so that, that is a, a, a my opinion, a, a sizable difference there. And one of even, the problems is his, I think those comparisons come from when Alex Hatsmith came in the NFL, he was about 15 pounds lighter. That's true. And, you know, and of course, he was the same height, but he was lighter and he had trouble setting the edge as a rookie. He went, you know, he worked hard, as we know, a walk on. Those walk on right. guys have that mentality and he still works hard. And he worked hard to add that weight and that mass and that explosiveness to set a better edge and to be more uh, explosive as a pass rusher. And he's really, you know, last year he put it all together 14 and a half sacks. I think that people are just saying that they see Herbie having that kind of capability. Right. And I don't think that that's impossible. He's a young guy. You know, I mean, you look at Kenny Pickett, who's 25, who was able to gain 13 pounds in the offseason as a quarterback, whose, you know, um, talents will be used differently. His skill set is different than what would be an outside linebacker. And so I would assume that the workouts would probably be more focused on those things. And so, you know, getting in the right program. Um, for his position, I think he'd have a similar success, especially, you know, with a full offseason. So it's probably something that's in the future. Mm-hmm. 2023 is just around the corner and yeah. or the season is. And so my opinion, I think that you do need to bring in somebody. I think somebody like a, a Van Noy would be good because he has that experience. He is um, a veteran. He, he under, he's been in a couple of different places and perhaps maybe he can also mentor a young guy like a Herbig, if he ends up staying in the position that he's at, at the outside linebacker position. So I'm, I'm excited about the kid regardless. I just don't know about the impact that he's going to have this upcoming season. And with that said, I think that that needs to be addressed. Now you wrote an article for behind the steel curtain.com uh, replacing Terrell Edmonds would require a group effort for the Steelers. So I'm assuming that you think that the, um, the, Safety position is filled, but uh, it's going to be a little bit different than what we saw last season. How, how do you? How can you put that in, in in so many words? When they let Edmonds go, I think it kind of it come to an impasse. To whereas mm-hmm. he wasn't giving them the big play special plays that they wanted, and they weren't paying him what he wanted, and it got to an impasse where they couldn't reconcile. That being said, of all the positions up and down the Steelers' depth chart, the only position I cannot say honestly that I feel is stronger now than it was last year is strong safety. They have the the components to make these changes, which I think they're going to have a stronger front seven. And I think that they've got a lot of the secondary – it's got a lot of variety and creativity, versatility. The inside linebackers, if they pan out, they've went to with uh, Holcomb and Roberts, and then they've got Mark Robertson, and they've got Tanner Muse. Tanner Muse is a guy that is intriguing in that he's a off-ball linebacker safety hybrid. And I thought he would be a good uh, target for the Steelers when he come out in 2020 from Clemson because he has four four one speed and he can play sideline to sideline and you know worked well at tight end coverage at Clemson. Well he he goes, gets overdrafted by the Raiders, breaks his foot, never plays for him. He's been in Seattle two years. He didn't really fit their scheme. He's mainly special teams. If they could get 
that defensive player that Clemson had, if they could get that type of performance out of Muse, he could be a contributor, especially in some packages for the Steelers. The only problem is Kanao I have a terrible time saying his name. Keanu. Keanu. Neil is basically a box safety like Edmonds without the speed. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to be able to match up with tight ends like Edmonds did. And he's not going to be able to clean up mistakes when it's a, ba- a teammate taking a bad angle, missed tackle. He's not going to be able to clean that up. So you'd rather have one player who could do everything and not have to come off the field. In case you get trapped on the field, you know, hurry up, you know, last two minutes of a half, you know, in those situations. So I believe that the Steelers eventually will have to get an approved talent at strong safety. This year, I think it's going to be a little bit, unless somebody happens to become available in free agency or somebody gets cut for salary cap reasons, I think they're going to, have a committee approach this year and then try to upgrade next year because they're obviously wanting more splash plays from strong safety position because I think they're going to go to a little bit more too deep now. Uh, They've got Kazee who can play. He's a really good deep safety. You got Neil who can play up at the line of scrimmage and they're probably going to let Fitzpatrick roam a little bit of like Troy Palomalu back in the day. Right. And try to take advantage of his ball hawking skills. So, because you don't want Fitzpatrick emulating Edmonds, trying to take on strong safety responsibilities, because that's a waste of his talents. So, that's the that's one of the positions I I'm still interested in to see what happens between now and training camp. I am too. That it, you're right. This that's probably the one position on the defensive side that you can say that it isn't equivalent or better than what it was last year. You know, the, the cornerback position has been one that has been picked apart, but I think when you have, you know, Levi Wallace, Patrick Peterson, and Joey Porter Jr. coming up in the wings, um, comparable to what you had last season, which was a, a lot of movement. You had Akila Weatherspoon, you had Levi Wallace in there for a time. Um, James Pierre started to make a, an appearance here and there. Cam Sutton was still on the team, and so – um, well, that being said, I think that the stability behind the, the cornerback position is much improved. And um, you are not going to have that many guesses. With the safety position, you know, having a player by committee on defense, I'm not sure if that's the best way. You know, we, we saw that after Shazier went down, the Steelers were trying to, you know, um, u- utilize multiple players to play his one position, and it really didn't work out for them. Now, this is a different position, and maybe perhaps um, you can kind of get away with it more with a strong safety than you can with the heartbeat of your team at the middle linebacker position. Um, But I feel that, you know, it's not going to be a strength. It it definitely isn't. But who who do you think is going to be the end up uh, safety on the field first, this quote-unquote starter? Is it going to be a Keanu Neal? Is it going to be a KZ? Uh, Who 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 are you thinking? Well, if, if they try to keep the same principles that last year, they had last year in the last few years, it would be nil. Mm-hmm. But if they go to more of the, the two deep, uh, it will probably be Kazee. Even though he's not your classic strong safety type, he shocked me last year in that he was much more physical than I can remember at his previous stops with Atlanta and Dallas. He really would come up and lay a lick on some people, and he has great range, and uh, and he, he was a solid tackler. So if we're basing it on last year, I would say it would be nil, but where I think there is a, going to be a change in defensive philosophy this year, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm starting to think it's going to be KZ. Yeah, yeah, I, I lean that direction as well as KZ. You know, he – he was being more physical and that also led to a broken arm. And so yeah. <laughs> durability is going to be the question next. You know what I'm and saying? And Edmonds had that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Edmonds was a guy that was, you know, not on, you know, didn't take too many games off. I think he missed his first couple of games last season uh, yeah. due to a concussion. And so, um, you know, it's unfortunate. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers did try to make a move for him. 
this offseason Terrell Edmonds that is and you know they just wasn't what he wanted and he ended up going with the Eagles to try to make his uh, value better for the following season you know he's still a young guy and still has a uh, a lot ahead of him maybe perhaps you never know maybe he'll find his way back to the black and gold but we're gonna take a quick break uh, on the other side we're gonna talk about the uh current players on the team and maybe do a uh, all too early 53 man prediction or who's not going to make the team uh, don't go anywhere we'll see you on the other side i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody, to Steel Curtain Network. I'm Daniel J. Alongside with me is Shannon White. Um, we are the hangover. You're fixed to the Steelers. Fun. <laughs> I, I was trying to wing that. It didn't come out the way I wanted. Um, but today we're talking about moves and before training camp and players and, and things of that nature. But before we do, I want to remind you guys that if you guys aren't on the audio side only, I know this is on YouTube. Uh, if you're not on the audio side only, you're missing out a lot of great content from Steel Curtain Network. I myself have an audio only podcast that airs out on Saturdays called State of the Steelers. We just talked about the uh, the, sh the chip on the shoulder for the Pittsburgh Steelers that they may be having entering this season, given the large amount of disrespect, in my opinion, that the Pittsburgh Steelers received. Everything from Coach Tomlin to the organization to uh, most recently Kenny Pickett being listed under rookie quarterbacks as far as the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, and we also have, you know, the just, just less ride with Jeff Hartman, um, bad language, Brian Anthony Davis, the stack geek with Schofield, uh, the fix and um, a lot more. So go check it out. Um, but before we move forward, Shannon, what did you think about that quarterback uh, listing there with Kenny Pickett below uh, the, current first round quarterbacks that were drafted in this most recent NFL draft. Well, it was kind of ridiculous in that if you watch Kenny Pickett at all last year, and I'm not talking with the black and gold glasses because we all have them. I'm talking about just as a football fan. And, the, and I assume the people that come up with that list are supposed to be knowledgeable football fans. Kenny Pickett should be in the middle somewhere. The reason being is because during his time, he had to he come into a circumstance where he's having to replace an all-time great franchise legend. That's not easy to do. You're coming onto a rebuilding team that you know had two new additions to their offensive line last year. So there's a, you know a learning curve there. Not just coming into the NFL, but you got new teammates, new players. Uh, that were, are not even that familiar with the, being on the team because they're new. You have an offensive coordinator who is very one-dimensional, who could help develop a good running game, but he's he leaves a lot to be desired as a passing game coordinator. And you're having to try to make that team be successful. And we know that rookie quarterbacks, are they tend to turn the ball over. But you have your coach come to you and say, ball security, ball security, ball security. So that's what he did. So after those initial first seven interceptions, the rest of the year, it was like none. I mean, he threw two more the rest of the season after his yeah. first three or four starts. They they won the majority of their games. The offense improved. Time of position improved. He did everything. 
But where it really, I think the disrespect comes in is that what did he show through all that? He showed leadership. He showed maturity. He showed composure. He also showed the it factor. And the it factor is hard to put your finger on for some people because they they're, we live in a statistic-obsessed era. People want to look and they say, we had seven touchdowns, nine interceptions. They don't want to take into account circumstance, time and place when those happened. But he showed at the end of games that he was capable of making plays when they had to be made to win ball games. And he led game winning drives two weeks in a row. That's growth. He continued to show growth. Now the Steelers have only got better as this offseason. They've improved their depth. They've improved their offensive line talent. They should have a stronger line. They'll be growing pains and take time to gel. But the talent's there, undoubtedly. If the running game should be stronger. They've committed to this approach of time of possession, you know, control the ball, low risk. The only thing I'm concerned about is they've strengthened tight end, but I still think the wide receiver position is basically what they had last year. That being said, I expect that next that next step in development during Pickett's sophomore campaign and with the Steelers. How you can rate him under guys who are rookies who have never stepped foot on the NFL field and have not shown any ability to have the it factor and behind veterans who have played multiple years and have proven to not have the it factor, there's where the disrespect comes in. 28 was way too low. If it were to be an 18, I'd say, okay, you know, that, that makes sense. Right. But not not under veterans who have proven who they are and rookies who have proven nothing. I agree 100%. You know, when I saw especially the rookies there, I was like, well, I mean, these guys haven't <laughs> even taken a snap. And, yeah. and you know, there's no there's no guarantee that some of these guys will snap, you know, take a snap, you know, this upcoming season or even play majority of the season. And so and I didn't like that. The one thing that I thought was the biggest joke was putting Deshaun Watson at number 10. You know, a guy who didn't have the greatest season last year, hasn't played in a couple of years. There's no telling how long it's going to take for him to get back to his quote unquote, you know, best form, yeah. um, which in my opinion, I, I always thought he was an overrated quarterback, not just because he's a Browns guy now, but even when he was within with Houston, I never thought he was that great of a guy. I, I just felt that, you know, he was he was he's got he's got the ability to get out of the pocket. He's slippery for one reason or another. And, you know, it's hard to tackle him. And so, you know, I noticed that against, you know, when the Steelers played them last year against the, uh, the Browns in that, you know, last game is they were having a hard time getting him on the ground and he was able to move around. But at the end of the day, he doesn't scare me with his arm. And so I felt that there was a little bit of disrespect and a little bit too much respect given to Deshaun Watson in that situation. And so, it is what it is. The only thing that the Pittsburgh Steelers can do is go out there and show the world who they are and, and just beat the crap out of teams. You know, I like what Andy Weidel said uh, this past week about, you know, what a Steeler is and and what they um, inspire when they go and get players that they feel are Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's the kind of players you want. He's building a team that's going to be big, mean, ugly, nasty, and they're going to move the ball down the field. And I'm excited for it. And, you know, I'll be glad when they start, you know, the Steelers start changing the minds of the mainstream media. And so uh, I want, I wanted to add one thing. Yeah. Ben never was ranked like very seldom, even in the top five. Right. You know, people just disrespected him and didn't matter. All that matters is winning. He was one of the best winners ever at the quarterback position. One, right. two Super Bowls went to three. With the, you know, he put up incredible numbers. Um, it isn't about that. It's about winning. Yeah. And that's what the Steelers expect. That's what the Tomlin expects. And that's what I think Kenny Pickett is capable of. So I'm not worried where they rank him. I don't care where they rank him five years from now. As long as he's winning, that's all that matters. <laughs> 100%, 100%. Yeah, you're, I, I'm absolutely with you. The Pittsburgh Steelers are putting more hardware in their trophy case. That's all, they, that's all that matters. 
but before we move forward, is there anything or any other move that you think that the Pittsburgh Steelers need to make before training camp starts? Well, one thing it's really I found very interesting. Usually after the draft's over, there's like a lot of undrafted free agents brought in. And we always sit and look and, oh, hopefully they bring this guy in or this guy could maybe make some noise in training camp. And then they also have the rookie camps where they invite in numerous uh, candidates, young prospects to give them a tryout. This year it's been like seven or eight guys undrafted brought in, seven or eight invites to the camp. That shows that the Steelers feel like that their depth is solid. They don't have a lot of openings that they've had even in the last two to three years. And, but one of the guys that there's a few guys that I find intriguing, but one guy that I'm really interested to see is this week is rookie camp. And they invited Hakeem Butler who played at Iowa state in college. And when he come out, I actually wanted them to take him instead of Deontay Johnson. I was all for Akeem Butler in the third or fourth round because I wanted him being to get that tall receiver. You know, he, he had better 40 speed than Johnson, everything. And I was on board with the Butler train, man. I was hyping him up. And then when they took uh, Deontay Johnson, I'm like, what? Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Now, Deontay Johnson has showed that the Steelers recognized he's an elite route runner. And he could get open on anybody. I don't think there's any corner in the NFL that wants to press him. Right. Because he can make you look foolish. The problem is he don't do anything after he catches it. That's the problem. Yeah. Akeem Butler comes in and he never really catches on anywhere. He's just He just did not show that he could get separation. He did not know how to use his size to his advantage. And he finds himself out of the NFL. He goes to the XFL and plays with A.J. McCarron, who used to play for the Bengals. And he really had a strong season playing in the XFL for, you know, lower competition, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if you watched him, he's finally learned to block out, use his body to shield smaller defenders. He isn't as fast as he once was, but he play- knows how to play the position more, at least at that level. So... Yeah. I'm excited to see what he can become and him getting invited. Usually the stewards don't invite veteran players with NFL experience to rookie camp unless they're strongly considering signing him. Hmm. And they do have some openings there at receiver to where they could be some competition in camp. So I'm really excited to see him come in. I think he could give you like a move tight end, like uh, Antonio Gates, uh, Tony, with that basketball ability and background to, you know, know how to shield, like, you know, blocking out for rebounding. Same right. thing with blocking out and making hands catches because he, he's huge. So I am excited about him being a camp invite. And that's a sleeper guy for everybody to kind of keep an eye on because it wouldn't shock me if he don't get an invite to camp. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I... – I remember, I remember him very well, and I, I too thought that he was going to have an opportunity in the NFL given his size and speed. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes it's the it's the player, sometimes it's the scheme and the fitment. And maybe yeah. perhaps he yeah. just wasn't in the right place. And maybe if he can, you know, go to camp and 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 impress, maybe perhaps he'll find a home in Pittsburgh. Now, um, moving on, I wanted to talk to you about a, uh, I guess, an all too early fifty three man roster prediction, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And we'll take it position by position. So the first one is is quarterback. So right now on the roster, we obviously have Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, and they have Tanner Morgan. They've invited Hunter Johnson uh, from Northwestern to come in. How many how many quarterbacks do you see the Pittsburgh Steelers going into the season with, first and foremost? Well, I think it'll be three and one on the practice squad. Okay. So a guy like Hunter Johnson it would be a candidate for the practice squad um, or Morgan. Because, right. but Johnson was a top recruit mm-hmm. and he went to Clemson originally and then he wasn't going to get to play. So then, you know, he's, he's bounced around and 
so you know it's kind of a long shot but he unlike Doug Hodges who had all the intangibles but didn't have the size in the arm right. Johnson's the other way he's all the the athleticism the height and the arm and the mobility but he don't we don't know his intangibles because he's never really showed us right. I think the Steelers will probably still bring in a veteran mm-hmm. because I don't know if they've officially done this yet but based on the 49er situation in the Eagles uh, championship game last year, the NFL is talking about letting you have that third quarterback dress as an emergency quarterback only. If the first two quarterbacks go out, you can bring in that third quarterback. So you don't have a situation, a repeat of the NFC championship game last year. Right. If that happens, you want an experienced quarterback as your number three even though he will only be the emergency quarterback, but he could come in and still keep you competitive. Right. The problem is Mason Rudolph knows the system. He would be perfect for that. But Mason Rudolph, I mean, obviously would not want to do that at this stage of his career. He still wants an opportunity and you can understand that. So there's guys like Nick Foles who just got released by the Colts. He's out there. Nick Foles shows that he is not, a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL anymore. But he's one of them guys like Frank Wright and and Don Strzok who can come off the bench and have you a magical performance for a game or two in relief. So Nick Foles at the right place, stores Mike considering. True, true. I, I, I for one think, though, that they're going to go in there also with three. I think Tanner Morgan, if he can show that he is – uh, worthy of being a backup quarterback in this league will end up making the roster mainly because of the fact is that the Steelers only have one quarterback for the roster for 2024 and that's Kenny Pickett. And so I don't foresee Mitch Trubisky uh, volunteeringly coming back for another season to be a backup. I think he thinks he has something in the tank and something to prove. So I don't foresee him, you know, going the Charlie batch route, so to speak, and sticking around just to, you know, stick around. Charlie had, you know, ties to Pittsburgh and a community and things like that. Yeah. Mitch Trubisky doesn't. And so um, I don't foresee him being here past this season. So I think that you're going to want a quarterback that's been in the system uh, backing up your starter. And so I think that if Tanner Morgan can show up, and I think they paid him quite a bit of money to come in as a undrafted rookie. Um, you know, if he can show up and be a, uh, you know, a su- suitable backup, I think he may have that uh you know, be that third quarterback. I don't think the Steelers are going to try to, you know, stash him on the practice squad if he is show to be a, a value just because somebody else can pick him off the team. Uh, when it comes to the running back position, you have Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. I think those two guys are set. Question's going to be is do the Steelers come in with more running backs than that? Uh, they have Anthony McFarlane right now on the roster, and they also have Jason Huntley on the roster. Um, what are your thoughts on the running back position? Is it just a uh, two-headed horse there, or do you think that they're going to uh, maybe perhaps uh, you know, keep Anthony McFarlane around? He was able to stick around on the practice squad, so I don't think they'd be in danger of losing him if he makes it there. Yeah, I think he'd be a practice squad candidate. They have um, – uh, is it Trey League or Tracy League? or I thought they had one more – uh, Master Teague. Master Teague. That's who it is. Master Teague. Yeah. Uh, they were pretty excited about him at camp, uh, but he got uh, injured. Right. And so he would could be a possibility. They could bring back a guy like Benny Snell at a in a you know minimum contract right. because you need that special teams. Whoever the running back three is has to offer something on special teams. Yeah. And I don't know if Teague would or, um, or you know, we, we know McFarland, they tried him a kick returner and it just didn't work. So I could see McFarland being more practice squad and maybe Benny Snell, you know, bring him brought back on the cheap. Right, right. Yeah, that, there's that good possibility. I, I, I didn't think about Benny Snell making his return, but that, you know, he's a guy that is familiar with the team, and, and he's a guy that, that Coach Tomlin loves. I mean, how many times have we heard him yelling out Benny Snell football on the sideline when he does something great or good? And so <laughs> I don't yep. know if he did anything great, but he did have a game or two there. Um, you know, so, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat there. The next position is going to be the wide receiver position. 
You know, right now it's Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Gunnar Olszewski, Calvin Austin, Anthony Miller, Cody White, uh, Allen Robinson. I don't know why he's not on here on this list. Um, Dana and Jordan Bird, a couple of other guys that I don't foresee making the team. How many how many receivers do you see making this team when everything is all said and done? And any surprise players that you don't expect to be there? I don't think Gunnar Olszewski is going to make it. Uh, when your main attribute is supposed to be as a return specialist and you lose your return position, I I think that you know, it didn't make any sense to cut him last year, but I don't think it'll take much to knock him off the roster this year. Right. In past years, I've been like, oh, they got to go six deep because they have, you know, this year, I don't really see it. I can see Miles Boykin being there because he's the best gunner in the NFL, in my opinion. Right. And you're going to have guys battling it out this year who would have made the team last year. Uh, that's why I would mention to Keem Butler. Keem Butler can offer them some creativity and versatility because of, because of his size. And, and uh, that ability to work the middle. Because you know they're going to work the middle with Friar Muth, and Washington, and Connor Hay- uh, Hayward from an H-back position. So Butler's another guy who can work that middle. Uh, so there, there's going to be some guys that this year not make it that would have in years past. And it wouldn't shock me if they only keep five wide receivers. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I was thinking that they probably go five. Um, I, I think six is it's still, it's still the chance there, but – you know, I think last season they had six because they had a Gunnar Olszewski who was designed or designated to be that return guy. And I think if you have a guy like Calvin Austin who's expected, if healthy, you know, to to be also your returner. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much experience he had in that in college, but you know, with his speed and and you know his ability to break away, you would expect him to possibly be that guy. Um, yeah, I think I think Gunnar Olszewski is going to be the odd man out there. I do see, for instance, uh, well, Deontay, George, Allen Robinson. I do think Miles Boykin makes the team. Uh, and I, I think the Steelers are very high on Anthony Miller. And so I think that that could be the five there, in my opinion. Uh, but that leaves Calvin Austin out. No, I said Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. Oh, yeah, you know what? That's you now Calvin Austin would make it. So there'd be six. Yeah. That, that's. <laughs> I think that'll be who would knock Miller out. Yeah. 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 Well, Miller was the first free agent this offseason. The Steelers did not waste any time in re-signing mm-hmm. him. So um, we'll move over to the tight end position. Pat Fryermuth, Darnell Washington, Zach Gentry, and Connor Hayward, who on the Steelers website is listed as tight end slash fullback. You think uh I think these guys all all four of these guys end up making the team. What do you think? Yeah, that that's set in stone, I think. That's that's a great that's a great luxury to have is, is those four guys, especially in Matt Canada's offense. So yeah, I think that's set. Yeah, me too. Me too. And so let's go to the offensive line at the tackle position. We have Broderick Jones, Dan Moore, uh, Chiefs core for LaRaven Clark. And of course we've had um, uh, Spencer as a guy that can move back and forth mm-hmm. uh, that can play tackle. But I, I, I honestly see him probably taking a role of a backup center position. Um, do you see any of these guys not making the team? My experience with Clark, just from what I watched him play previously, I always thought he was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not like his lateral movement. He guys just went around him. So not even elite pass rushers made him look bad. When they signed him, I assumed it was just as real insurance. Right. But, now, if they if it's Broderick Jones and a core for let's say Dan Moore's your swing tackle, they'll they'll probably want to keep another tackle, so he might make it. Uh, and let Spencer Anderson probably be your practice squad guy because he has that versatility to play all five positions. I think eventually they want to make him a center, but starting out, you can let him be on the practice squad as your ultimate swing depth guy. Mm-hmm. 
got you, got you. The interior side, I agree with you also before we uh, before I get off of that. I think that you're right. Uh, you know, I know there's been some talk or a lot of talk amongst fans that maybe perhaps uh, the Steelers will go and move away from a Dan Moore or Chiefs core for let them battle it out and trade somebody. I think it's possible. I mean, you know, injuries are a big thing in the NFL. You know, you're going to want to keep these guys as long as possible. And if somebody on another team gets goes down, and they need a uh, left tackle, I, I'd pick up the phone and see what they had to offer. And just like, you know, the number 32 pick, ask a very, like a huge amount for it. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that that's probably the only way that goes down. Interior offensive line, it, the, uh, the starters are assumed to have been, or to be Isaac Samayu, Samalu, Mason Cole, James Daniels, you know, backing them up. You have Kevin Dotson, Nate Herbig, Kendrick Green, and a host of many others, including Spencer Adams, Anderson. Now, um, any of those guys you see that who who would be your guys that you think don't make the team that are not maybe not surprise cuts, but or trades, but who would you not see making the team there? Of the guys you mentioned, I think everybody's solidified, but Kendra Green is probably gone. Right. I, I think that Spencer Anderson can as a rookie, can give you anything and more than Kendra Green ever did. Yeah. Kendra Green did not want to learn to play center, and he cannot play guard. So I think that he basically signed his own release. And I think Spencer Anderson, uh, they actually picked up a couple of undrafted guys that I think could do better than Kendra Green. So I think Spencer Anderson, just from the fact that he was a seventh-round pick, has a little advantage there with the undrafted guys that come in. But yeah. I think that with his versatility and being able to probably be able to safely stash him on the practice squad, I think Ken, uh, Kendra Green is gone. What do you think about a guy like Kevin Dotson with somebody like Nate Herbig that's also going to be backing up uh, the interior, Spencer, Spencer Anderson backing up the interior? you think Kevin Dotson is, is on the trade block, so to speak? If they got the right offer, I mean – if you got a fourth round offer for him, which was his original draft position, I think that they might consider that. Yeah. Um, but right now, you want to have depth. And it's something right. the Stewards haven't had for a long time is really solid offensive line depth. So I think he'll stay. I think they'll keep him. And Ryan Brown, it's not just appearance. He says Green has arms that look too short for his body. It, it just doesn't look too short. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> it, it is what it is. So let's move over to the defensive side really quickly. Um, I think the interior defensive line is pretty. Uh, I mean, we're gonna we know who is gonna be starting and who's gonna be backing up. You have Larry and Joby, Keanu Benton, Cam, Cameron Hayward, Marvin Leal, um, Armin Watt, Fahoko. Martavius Adams. I think the only person that's probably going to be uh, in danger there is maybe Martavius Adams. I'm not sure the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to take in more than two nose tackles. What, what are your thoughts on that position and that interior defense, uh, defensive line? Yeah, I think it, this year, Benton and Fahuku are your interior uh, nose tackles. Right. Martavius Adams was playing out of position. And that he is a quick twitch penetrator, which is not what the Steelers want from that nose tackle position. Adams could back up Ogajobi, whereas Watts is more of a natural guy who could back up Hayward. The problem is Loudermilk is going to have a real uphill battle to make this team. Because Loudermilk doesn't have the quickness you want in an end guy, and he doesn't have the strength and the anchor of an inside guy. And he really took a step back last year. So unless we see a different Loudermilk, I think he's he's going to be released. Yeah, yeah, he's not even on this. <laughs> he's not even listed here. I've <laughs> And this is uh, this is off the ESPN roster and depth chart, so you got to take that for what it is. Uh, you know, move. And I agree with you. I think I think Adams is a guy that you're right. He, he was a guy that wasn't so much that run stuffer that the Pittsburgh Steelers want to use that space occupier. And you have a, a Fihoku and a Benton that 
they're going to specialize in that. So I think those are going to be your interior guys. And, and, you know, Adams could still find himself on the team backing up, you know, Ogan Jovi Hayward and guys of that nature. The outside linebacker position, I think there's still going to be somebody added to it, but currently you have TJ Watt, Nick Herbig, uh, Alex Highsmith, Quincy Roche, um, and a couple of other guys that I foresee probably being on the practice squad. Uh, I don't see any surprises there. I think that if they don't add anybody, uh, I can see them going in with four guys at the outside linebacker position and Nick Herbig and, and Quincy Roche making the team. What do you think? I think that's kind of the plan because like I mentioned, I think Herbig will kind of be listed as a edge and an off ball. I yeah. think DeMarvin Leal, who I didn't mention on the defensive line, and the reason why is because I think he's going to be an uh, end slash edge because I think if you're playing heavy set teams, heavy packages, Leal will get a good bit of snaps playing edge uh, like he did last year. Right. And so I think both of them guys is going to give the Steelers that versatility and creativity so that the depth chart looks like it might be a little off, but it really isn't. Right. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely right. And so with the interior uh, linebackers, you have Cole Holcomb and Roberts, Landon Roberts. Behind him, you have uh, this has listed Tanner Moose, Mark Robinson, uh, Tay Crowder, and Chappelle Russell. Um, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to go in there with um, Roberts, Holcomb. Mark Robinson's going to make the team. I think he was a surprise. He's your thumper. He's your big guy. Um, Tanner Muse, I think, could make the team. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Any Anybody there that you think that is, you know, going to be there? Maybe perhaps you think somebody from the outside could still make their way onto the roster at the interior linebacker position? I think the story should keep their eyes open if the right guy was to follow. Uh, like you said, Van Noy, uh, uh, you know, as far as on the edge, if he was to become a, you know, they decide they wanted to add him. So these numbers could change what we're seeing right now. Right. between now and training camp, but I think they'll go four inside linebackers uh, as far as Holcomb, Roberts, Robertson, and Muse. And I think because they view Nick Herbig as a little bit of a slash guy who could give them hopefully reps at both, I expect them just to go with four on the depth chart. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree as well. I think, like you said, you keep your eye open if somebody – there's a surprise cut in the interior linebacker position, somebody that can Im- improve your team. But I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are pretty happy with with Roberts and Holcomb being your starters and Robinson coming in field duty. Uh, now, the cornerback position is one that a lot of people have had a lot of conversations about. You have Patrick Peterson, you have um, Levi Wallace, Arthur Mollett, James Pierre, Akilo Weatherspoon, Joy Porter Jr., Corey Trice. Madre Harper. How many how many cornerbacks are you thinking that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going into the season with? I would say six to seven. Uh, and the reason why is because I think Trice will make the team. Mm-hmm. Trice and Joey Porter Jr. have that size that they can replace some of what was lost with Edmonds as far as covering tight ends and larger guys out of the slot. So I think both of them guys are going to be very valuable. I think that James Pierre and Levi Wallace could also play some out of the slot, uh, depending on matchups. So I think, and and we know that Pierre is a great gunner on special teams. So that increases his value. I do not see Akilah Witherspoon making the team. I think because of his salary that he will be cut, and we also know that Peterson has flexibility that he can maybe play on long yardage situations, a little safety where he can use his excellent zone skills and ball uh, skills to, you know, be a real threat there. So, yeah, I think a kill of Witherspoon will be the surprise. I also do not expect both Millette and Sullivan to make it. Right. Right. Uh, I, I do too. I don't, I don't. I think one of them will, but I don't think they both will. And Millette fits the Steelers, what they like to have in that slot guy, in that he's aggressive. And Sullivan, you know, he's he's a lot of guys in Minnesota were happy to see him leave. A lot of fans. So, 
Uh, what is it to see what he looks like in preseason? <laughs> yeah, we got to check him out. Um, I, I, I'm with you as well. I think Akilah Weatherspoon probably goes to camp, plays in preseason. I don't think he makes the 53. I think that um, he's a guy that you have on your team in case of an injury on your team. Or if you're going to have to get rid of him, you want to get rid of him when his draft uh, value is high. Maybe perhaps a, a cornerback goes down somewhere else and you get a sixth or a seventh rounder for him. Um, I, I, I think that when you look at those guys, I think Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, Joey Porter Jr., Corey Trice also makes the team. I think you can stash James Pierre on the practice squad. And so I think that there's that possibility of him being that, there. But I think I think he may be an odd man out, in my opinion. Uh, at the safety position, we have Kazi, Fitzpatrick, Keanu Neal, Trey Norwood, Elijah Riley, Scott Nielsen, Miles Killebrew, and Kenny Robinson. Um, I'm thinking that out of those, Trey Norwood, well, obviously, like Kenny Robinson and Scott Nielsen, I'm – I don't know if they'll make the team, but Trey Norwood, a guy that was on the team last season, Elijah Riley, a guy that was periodically on the team. I think that they may not make the 53 this season. Miles Killebrew is another guy that he's a special teams ace. He's a special teams, you know, he's been a special teams uh, guy. He's had a couple of punt blocks in his career for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, do you think that what do you think about those guys? Miles Killebrew, Elijah Riley, and Trey Norwood. Any other any idea of maybe one or all of these guys making the team or not making the team? Killebrew has the advantage from the special teams perspective. The the big three we know at mm-hmm. safety. Um after that, it's it's really going to depend depend on I think special teams contributions. And like Trey Norwood, I really like Trey Norwood's versatility, but he just lacks speed. And every time he gets isolated in their base defense or in a sub package, if he gets isolated, he gets burned. I, I just don't think that he offers enough to cover for that. So I think Elijah Riley surpassed him last year on right. the depth chart. So Elijah Riley would be an option there. Killebrew is also an option because of his special teams. But um, I, I don't. I think those other guys you mentioned. I think they're gone. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I mean, maybe Trey Norwood is a guy that they can stash on the practice squad. I don't yeah. think anybody's going to be jumping over hoops and ladders to get to him. Um, moving on to the final, you know, team, which is special teams. I think Chris Boswell is pretty much, you know, protected and okay. Now the biggest, the biggest. Uh, I guess eyes are going to be on when it comes to a position battle in special teams is going to be punter. You got Presley Harvin and Brandon Mann. Where do you think that Presley's going to win? You know, do you think he has the possibility of winning this position? Or you think that Brandon Mann is a guy that has a big leg, has weird punting style, but could possibly end up overtaking him. I'm not real excited about either one, to be honest, because they both (laughs) have struggled with consistency um, it's going to really depend on who has the best camp and who has the best preseason. The Steelers have got to figure out some way to get some consistency. Uh, there was too many shanks last year, uh, for Presley. Um, you know, I like Harvin, but man, he just, he's inconsistent, but the problem is so was the man for the Jets. So, um, hopefully one of them can have a, a solid season. Let's leave it at that. So you, you think that this is more than just bringing in competition to improve Presley Harvin, that this will actually be a true punting, you know, punting oh, yeah. battle. Yeah. This yeah. is a true battle. I believe. Yes. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And, and Jared Evel brings up BT Potter. You don't think he could unseat Boswell. Do you? No, I, yeah. I, I mean, Boswell had a down season for him. Uh, he missed some big kicks when they really needed them when they were struggling. Mm-hmm. But I think that he is established, and with his salary and his familiarity, I think he is safe for now. Uh, I think if he has, starts out the year or the preseason and starts missing quite a few, a little bit like last year, then that will be a different story. But yeah. I think for now his position's safe. I do too. I do too. And, and not only that, but I also ran into him at the airport 
Um, <laughs> and he's a good guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was it was actually um, when me and my father were leaving Pittsburgh, coming back from the Cleveland game or the, the Steelers Cleveland, the season ender. Um, we were sitting there and I was actually uh, called up and asked if uh, I'd be interested in taking a first class seat. If, you know, they said I was on a waiting list, but I was first They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, you might get it. You might get it. Then I get up there like, no, you're not getting it. And I find out who got it. <laughs> it was Chris Boswell and his, I think it was his wife with him or his fiance. I'm not sure if they're married or not yet. Um, but, you know, he, he lives in Dallas. We're flying to Dallas. And so um, he was on our plane and he's a lot taller in person. I'll say that he's a lot he is tall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's a lot taller in person. I, I got to talk to him briefly after the flight. Uh, uh, stopped and so he's a good guy i'm hoping he ends up being the guy based on that interaction but uh that's gonna do it for us we kind of went over a little bit um do you have anything working or coming up for still current network that you want to plug in real quick before we let everybody go no i'm, I'm working on a kenny piggott and the it factor article but but that'll be a few days so well, y'all keep y'all's eyes out for that at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com where you can see all the uh, articles that Shannon and, and many of our other, uh, you know, writers put out there. That's great stuff, y'all. And on the audio side only, as I mentioned before, go check everything out and hit that like button and hit that subscribe button before you guys make your way up. Uh, Shannon, take us out.